case of the Curio Council uh, Cardinals and much to the surprise of the entire world. And this is how he announced the council. He said, I am prompted to open my mind and my heart to you because of this feast of the conversion of St. Paul. I want to tell you frankly about several points of planned pastoral activity which have emerged in my thoughts because of my brief three months here within the church circles in Rome. In doing so, I am thinking of the care of the souls of the faithful in these modern times. I know that everyone is watching me as the new Pope. Throughout the history of the church, such renewal has always yielded wonderful results. It produces greater clarity of thought, uh, solidarity of religious unity, and abundant spiritual riches in people's lives. So now, trembling a bit with emotion, I announce to you my intention to hold a twofold event, a diocesan-wide meeting of this city and an ecumenical council for the Universal Church. And this will also lead to a bringing up-to-date of the Code of Canon Law which will accompany and crown these other two events. For the moment, my announcement to you is sufficiently made, and I will announce this myself to the rest of the cardinals of the world. And he concludes by saying, In closing, let me recite the blessing of St. Leo the Great, which is so fitting for this moment in time. And he quotes Leo the Great, You are my crown and my joy, if your faith, which from the beginning of the Gospels is preached throughout the world, perseveres in sweetness and holiness. End of quote. Oh, what a greeting this is, wholly worthy of our spiritual family. And I bless you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now, that's what he said to the cardinals gathered there. But in another important work, The Journal of a Soul, which was his diary or journal that he kept over the years, uh, this is what he writes in, in The Journal of a Soul about the calling of the council. And he says, contrary to all of my suppositions or imaginings on this point, I was the first to be surprised by my proposal, which no one suggested to me. Everything seemed to follow so naturally in its immediate and continued development. Now, if we take the announcement and if we take what he says in the Journal of the Soul, uh, I believe that it was John the Twenty-Third who was responding to the promptings of the Holy Spirit in his life and calling the church to a renewal as the work of the Spirit. And it is that spirit that energized him and that spirit that was operative during the time of the council that we want to um, delve into or get in touch with throughout this series. I'd like to spend a little time now um, getting in touch with the life of John the Twenty-Third, not from a chronological point of view, but rather to get in touch with the spirit that energized him throughout an entire lifetime that prepared him to be this instrument of renewal and reform in the church uh, for the 20th century. And looking at his life, and as we begin to understand the man, that in itself can become transformative. 
And I want to make just a, a few brief comments um, as we look at his life. That John the Twenty Third had, you know, some people think he was a, a simple man. He wasn't so simple. He was someone who was very intelligent. Uh, he uh, was someone who understood church history and someone who was formed uh, within the context of the culture of the church. And when we look to his roots right, as a young boy, John the Twenty Third indeed began his life as a peasant. Uh, he was born Angelo Giuseppe Roncalli, and that was his name, in northern Italy in 1881. His parents were Giovanni Battista Roncalli and Mariana Mazzola Roncalli, and uh, he lived in a tiny village, Sotto il Monte, which was 10 miles from Bergamo. And so in his early years, he lived in the field.